You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Good morning. That was uh, the longest changeover between introduction and preach that we've done. Thank you guys for being on this morning. We love the presence of God. Uh, what an amazing time of worship and just the words coming through as well. You know, there's this power in that. I want to thank everyone who came to our um, prayer meeting on Wednesday night, who, uh, who set aside time to, to pray, to see the kingdom advance. Also, um, some of you guys might not know, but um, every Sunday morning before our live stream at 930, we have a quick Zoom prayer meeting where we pray for what God wants to do. We, we, we jump on together. So let me encourage you, um, don't just uh, tune in at 10 or wait till you know, the worship starts or um, come on at 9.30. Come on. The Zoom details are all in our newsletter. Uh, we'd love you to come and pray with us uh, Sunday morning as well. And those times that we get to pray together, uh, whether it's on Zoom or it's in person, we love it. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for joining us this morning. Thank you from wherever you're watching, whether you're on YouTube, you're on Facebook, um, whether you're listening back on our podcast or watching later on, we just really appreciate you guys being a part of this. Um, I really hope that uh, during this time, you're continuing to reach out to people, you're reaching out to, to each other, you're calling somebody. Um, if you haven't, I want to ask you today, who can you reach out to? Who can you reach out to and encourage this week? Um, don't wait for somebody to reach out to you. Take the initiative yourself. Um, you know, I, I really want to thank personally the, the people who have reached out to me this week. Um, you know, we, we reach out to a lot of people, but I, I've just been encouraged by people reaching out to me and saying, you know, how are you guys doing? And, uh, you know, um, I love this thing of seeing the priesthood of believers in action. And so I want to encourage you as well, um, it, whether you're part of Melbourne Lights or you're listening from somewhere else, encourage your leaders this week. Not just us. I mean, we have a great team and we're, you know, we, we feel encouraged. But if you know other pastors, other ministers in the city, um, other people who are, you know, who, who might need encouraging, reach out and encourage them. You know, not everyone has good team. Not everyone, uh, you know, is, uh, is um, feeling encouraged in this time. So we can be a blessing like that. Um, it's not an easy time to lead a church. Uh, so, you know, a little encouragement goes a long way. Let's be that people um, today and this week. So... Today uh, is, a, is an interesting day, and I love all the words that have come through of, um, of breakthrough and, not, you know, and being set free from fear and healing. It's an interesting day because, I mean, in reality, for those that are in Melbourne or in Victoria, um, a lot of people are waiting to hear what the, the roadmap out of lockdown is going to be, and there's going to be announcements later on. And, you know, I'm sure that when that's announced, some will be excited and hopeful. Um, others will be outraged. Uh, you know, there'll be a, a, you know, all a range of emotions around that. But the reality is for, for us as believers, whatever that announcement is or whatever, you know, whatever the, they are today, whatever they are in the coming weeks, they don't change what we're called to. They don't change what we're called to be as believers or what we're called to do as believers. Our call remains the same. And our call is this, to know Jesus and to make him known, to be disciples who make disciples. So whatever they announce today, whatever they announce in the weeks to come, whatever this, this looks like, it doesn't change what we're called to be or who we're called to be. And we can't let what's happening around us stop us from advancing the kingdom. It's not time to pull back. It's not time to, to huddle down. And even as that, you know, that word uh, uh, of God coming to bring, to lift up, you know, somebody you might feel like you're trapped and you're in fear. It's not time to pull back. There's such an opportunity for harvest. And we've heard that right through the morning. Um, a few weeks ago, we looked at uh, the discipleship circle and we looked at some of the steps um, in being disciples who make disciples. Um, and discipleship is about investing 
your life. It's about putting you know, our time, our talent, our treasures, all that God's given me and who I am, investing that into other people's lives so they become more like Jesus. Um, and that's what we're called to do, whether we're in lockdown or we're out of lockdown, you know, whether we're, you know, as the New Testament says, whether we're under persecution or we're free, whether it, we're in prison, whether we're suffering, that through all of that, we are called to make disciples. So, um, you know, it's investing our lives into others. And I've been, to be honest, I've been so encouraged to hear about how many people are, are being intentional about reaching out and about getting together with other people in the church and their neighbors and people at the shops and, you know, not just kind of going, uh, yeah, I'm just going to close down and just going to be me, but actually I'm going to look for every opportunity in this season. I've been so encouraged by that. And um, in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus leaves us with this commandment. We, we, we've heard this, but it, he leaves us with the commandment to go make disciples. And that commandment's not dependent upon external circumstances. All you have to do is read the New Testament and see that the context into which the early church was birthed was a, con was a context of all sorts of turmoil and oppression and, you know, uh, and people being thrown in jail and scatterings and you know, the, 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 the disciples being um, persecuted. And that's the context in which, in which the church is born. Jesus says, go make disciples, and it's not dependent upon what's happening around us. Are we investing our lives right now? into making disciples? Are we investing our lives into this thing that we've been called to? There's a lot of other things that people will tell you that you should be doing, you should be focusing on, you should be talking about right now. But if the Bible's our standard, and can I say this, if we're followers of Jesus, then it has to be our standard in everything. If the Bible's our standard, we're following Jesus, then our first call, our first call is to be disciples who make disciples. And so this morning, despite what's going on around us, despite the situation we face, whether we're here in Melbourne or in Victoria or globally, I want to remind us that we're called to be disciples who make disciples. I love this quote. Um, the quote goes like this. Uh, someone wrote, Jesus spent three years training his followers to create new disciples because as the, the well-known pastor A.W. Tozer put it, only disciples can make disciples. It's Jesus' game plan that disciples create, who, create disciples who, in turn, create more disciples. So if you find yourself, the quote continues, if you find yourself wondering how you're progressing as a disciple, ask yourself how driven you are to fulfill the Great Commission. If you're wondering today how you're progressing as a disciple, ask yourself how driven, driven am I to fulfill the Great Commission? Spiritual practices that you often hear about from followers of Jesus, like prayer, Bible reading, fasting, they're, they're all vital for growth in faith. But you know somebody is mature when they've recognized their responsibility to walk alongside others as they pursue Jesus. The quote finishes that says, you, you learn to follow Jesus from those who have gone before and you invest in others who are coming after it's not me on my own. It's not just me and Jesus. It's not even just me and, and my mentor or my discipler. It's that I learn from those who have gone before me and I invest in others who are coming after me. It's always that I'm growing and I'm investing. I'm receiving and I'm giving. I'm being filled and I'm pouring out. Uh, maybe we can put the discipleship circle up uh, just, to, just to remind us again. Um, we've talked about this discipleship circle a few weeks ago. I want to remind us uh, that the goal is to make disciples by compassionately engaging the community, that we engage. Secondly, that we establish, we intentionally establish 
biblical foundations. Once people have encountered Jesus, we don't just leave them in that place. We go, okay, no, no, we're going to establish biblical foundations. And then we strategic, uh, strategically equip believers. We're equipping believers to do the same thing. It's not just meet Jesus, got foundations, now sit in church for the next five years. No, no, we want you to be equipped to go make disciples. And then consistently empowering people to make disciples. That's releasing, it's going, it's saying, you know, how can we activate this thing? So, it, you know, it's, it's the circle that, can, that should continue to repeat itself. Engage, establish, equip, empower. Engage, establish, equip, empower. Maybe I can do like a mark. I didn't practice the, this, but it's like this. Engage, establish, equip, empower. It's the, it's, it's the, the repeating circle of discipleship. This is what we're called to do. This might be the first time you've heard this. This might be a revelation for you. Welcome to the adventure of your life. This is what we're, this is what we're designed to do. This is what we're called to do. This is our purpose, to engage, establish, equip, empower. Be disciples who make disciples. Can I say this though? If we're honest, for most believers, discipleship has become a catchphrase or a word we use rather than something that we do. We're good at talking about it, but for many of us, we don't actually do it. Many believers are not driven to fulfill the Great Commission. They don't take responsibility to walk alongside others as they pursue Jesus. And I think one of, one of our biggest problems when we talk about um, discipleship is that we have this, this, this thought that it's hard, it's complex, it's for the mature believer. We've been told it's for the leaders, it's for the pastors, it's for those who are on church staff. We have this idea that discipleship is about following some spiritual guru who will hope, hopefully make us into a spiritual guru so that we can make others into spiritual gurus. And, you know, and so, so when we have that thought, we go, well, I have to find my spiritual guru. I have to find that person that's like, you know, made it to the top of the, the mountain. If this is what we think about, uh, uh, think discipleship is, then few of us are ever going to attempt to make disciples. I've even had people tell me, we need to, we need to do more about discipleship but they're not actually investing in anyone. That's the Western church mentality. We talk about discipleship. We want people to invest into us, but there's no outlet for us to invest into others. We never put it into action. At the danger of not sounding um, very spiritual, and to be honest, I like not sounding very spiritual. Um, I want to suggest that when it comes to discipleship, simplicity is vitally important. Simplicity is vitally important. Steve Morell writes this, the more exclusive and complex discipleship becomes, the further it is removed from what Jesus did and what he commanded us to do. The more exclusive and complex discipleship becomes, the further it's removed from what Jesus did and from what he commanded us to do. The further it's removed from it becoming a reality in our life. We get these great concepts. We, can, we teach it. We preach it. You know, we're really good at, at you know, drawing the circles and doing but we don't actually ever do it. We don't actually ever make disciples. So if discipleship is simple, then what is it? That's what I want to talk about today. What is it? Discipleship, I think, simply is a, is a call to, to follow, to fish, and to fellowship. It's simple. We're gonna we're gonna over the you know over the we're gonna we're never gonna move away from discipleship, but we're gonna keep sharing. I don't know some of you guys might have seen on our social medias this week in the midst of all the thankfulness stuff, which was amazing. Um, we started uh, we're gonna start sharing discipleship top tips, just some simple sort of um, things that you can grab a hold of to say what does discipleship look like? How do I, how do I actually do it? And so today I want to unpack this. It's a call. 
to follow, to fish, and to fellowship. So firstly, discipleship is a call to follow Jesus. This is something that I preached on probably a number of months ago at this point. Um, We've talked about it before, but we constantly have to be reminded that discipleship is a call to follow Jesus. The starting point of being a disciple is the decision to follow Jesus. In Luke 18, verse 18 to 23, um, it's this, this account of a powerful rich young businessman who had he, uh, he had obtained all that the world could offer to him yeah he was sort of at the top of his success and he comes to jesus and he, and he wants to know this he wants to know how he can also gain eternal life he's like i've got everything the world has to offer how can i also gain eternal life after a bit of discussion back and forth about keeping the law um the the guy's still still dissatisfied he said i've done all those things he says to jesus all these things i've kept since i was a boy And then Jesus finally says to him in verse 22, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. Verse 23 says, but when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. He became very sad because the cost of following Jesus in his eyes was too much. Are you willing to pay the price to follow Jesus. This is where discipleship starts. It's a call to follow. Following Jesus is one of those religious sort of phrases that we that get used so often, we often forget what it means. Are you willing to pay the price to follow Jesus? See, there's, there's, there's often these phrases in church, um, you know, sort of common religious phrases that tend to lose their meaning. They lose their impact over time. So if you ask somebody who only came to church on Christmas or on Easter, you know, or maybe, you know, in this time, watch the live stream once every two months, are you following Jesus? Many of them would probably sincerely say, yes, I am. But there's a big difference, a big gap between what following Jesus means to them and what it meant to the rich ruler in this passage. See, it's possible to believe in Jesus and still not follow him. It's possible to believe he exists. It's possible to, to even to be a good church attender and still not really follow Jesus. Can I say that I think that, that this thing is actually something that the last 18 months has exposed for so many. There's a big difference between attending church and following Jesus. And for many, they, many people have realized in this time, I'm a church attender, but actually I haven't really been following Jesus. I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. See, following Jesus means that we believe his words. Following Jesus means that we, we imitate his character and his example. It means that we listen to his voice. The Bible says that my sheep know my voice. We listen to his voice. Um, and it means that we obey his commands. We believe his word. We imitate him. We, we imitate his example. We listen to his voice. We obey his commands. It's more than simply being a good person. And if you've been told that being a Christian is just about being a good person, can I, can I um, adjust your understanding this morning. Being a Christian is not about just being a good person. Being a Christian is about giving my life to Jesus, making him the Lord of my life, following him, following his example. As we saw in, the, in this passage about the rich young man, to follow Jesus means to surrender our lives and our wills to follow his. It means I lay down my life, I lay down my will and my desire and what I want so that I can follow him. I take on his will, his desires, and what he wants for my life now. Can I ask today, what do you need to surrender to truly follow Jesus? 
What do you need to surrender? Maybe there's an area of sin that you need to repent of. Maybe you said, actually, you know what? I want to do this. And so you're actually living in a place of sin rather than following Jesus. You can't follow Jesus and intentionally be living in sin. Can I say that again? You can't follow Jesus and intentionally be living in sin. Somebody today, I just feel, I feel it. Somebody needs today to repent and to turn back to following Jesus. That's the starting point of being a disciple, to be a follower. Maybe it's an area of emphasis that you need to lay down today or, or, or a belief that's keeping you from actually trusting Jesus fully. Maybe you're idolizing your possessions or your position. See, Jesus wasn't saying to the rich young man that, that it was bad to have possessions. The problem was that his riches had become his identity and become his security. The problem, uh, you know, is th this, this problem of finding our identity and our security in our things and in our successfulness and in our riches is um, particularly acute in our Western affluent Christianity culture. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him, or he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. We only truly find our identity and security in Jesus when we deny ourselves, when we deny ourselves of anything else that looks to define us or that we think defines us. What do you need to lay down today? Well, even now, Lord, we just stop for a moment and pray. Lord, wherever people are watching from, wherever they're listening from, right now, Lord, we, we don't want to wait till the end. We do business with you right now. Lord, we lay down. Lord, if it's, if it's areas of sin, we repent right now. We, 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 we turn away. We, we, have, we make a change to say, I want to follow you. We lay down our dependence upon our possessions or upon our, you know, our, our wealth or whatever it is that defines our identity. And we turn back to you. Discipleship is firstly a call to follow Jesus. And it, it, here's the thing. Well, well, um, well, Jesus and the 12 disciples, they, they're sort of the model for us of Christian discipleship. There is a key difference. And we've touched on this before. The 12 were followers of the discipleship group leader because he was Jesus himself. So, yeah, so they're, they're following Jesus, but he's also like their discipleship leader. Um, we don't want people to become followers of us or a group leader. We want them to be followers of Jesus. We want to see people becoming disciples and followers of Jesus. Um, discipleship is learning from other disciples as we follow Jesus together. Therefore, anyone can disciple others. You don't have to be Jesus to, you know, to, to disciple people. It's actually, hey, we, we journey together to become more like Jesus. It's learning from other disciples as we follow Jesus together. So are you following Jesus? Are you imitating his example? Are you listening to his voice? Are you denying yourself? Are you obeying his commands? Firstly, discipleship is a call to follow. Secondly, discipleship is a call to fish for people. This is our purpose. This is, this is what we're designed to do. In Matthew 4, verse 19, Jesus explains that the goal for his followers is this. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. One sentence. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So often we think that following Jesus should, um, should, you know, should cut us off. You know, when we follow Jesus, we should cut off all contact from the, real, from the real world. We should cut off all contact from sinners because we might be, you know, we might be negatively influenced. We, you know, we, we often think that following Jesus is creating a, 
a holy huddle where we spend all of our time talking about deep theology and arguing points of doctrine or opinion or, as we talked about last week, disputable matters. Sadly, this is what many churches have become. This is why God's bringing us back to discipleship. Following Jesus is not about cutting off all contact with the outside world. It's not about just arguing the deep points of doctrine. Following Jesus is about becoming fishers of men. Following Jesus is not about cutting off contact with the outside world. It's not about withdrawing from our unsaved friends or unsaved people around us. Rather, it's, it's continuing those relationships. It's reaching out so that Christ's love can flow through us to others. As we encounter his love, we share it with others. Why do I want an intimate relationship with Jesus? So that I can overflow and bring others into an intimate relationship with Jesus. It's looking for opportunities to share Jesus' love with people every day in every way, as we say so often. I love this. When, when Matthew, the tax collector, one of Jesus' disciples, uh, when he answers this call to follow Jesus, he threw a party at his house so that all of his old friends could meet Jesus and his new friends. Now, we can't throw a party at our houses right now, but I love the heart of this. In Matthew 9, verse 11, says that when the religious leaders saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Wow. So we, we can in, you know, go on walks with people that don't know Jesus. We can uh, you know, um, you have a coffee with somebody. We can reach out. We want to keep doing that. So many people are doing it, as we've heard in the testimonies. But the religious people say, why does your leader eat with tax collectors and sinners? Just assume for a minute with me that not all the Pharisees were hypocrites. Some of, the, some of them were sincere in their devotion to God. Many of them actually became followers of Christ, if you, if you read in the New Testament. So um, let's assume that this was a serious question, that they, they weren't just being facetious and saying, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? They actually really wanted to know. See, the Pharisees de- defined right standing with God, not only in terms of the law, but also in terms of separation. They defined their right standing with God in terms of their, of, of not just the law, but their separation. And they made their own disciples by teaching them a long list of rules on how to be separate. Think about this. Your definition of discipleship will create your discipleship making process or your lack of it. So you can see that you know, for even, the, even the sincere Pharisees you can see why they had such a hard time and why Jesus was always um, speaking against the Pharisees. Engaging non-believers, engaging sinners was against all of their customs and belief. But it was the very thing that Jesus came to do. Jesus' response to the Pharisees' question, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners, was this in Matthew 9, verse 12 to 13. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. Saying this to the Pharisees, to the religious people. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but to call sinners. Wow, (laughs) I don't know about you, but that convicts me. That convicts me. Jesus didn't let the Pharisees off the hook because they didn't know how to relate to sinners or because they had you know, and inherit, they had inherited a faulty definition of discipleship. He didn't say, well, that's, that's fine. No, no. They were not engaging sinners. Jesus' Jesus's charge to them was they weren't engaging sinners because they lacked compassion. In other encounters with the Pharisees, Jesus adds that they were prideful 
and they were self-righteous. Are we not engaging people who don't know Jesus yet? Because actually, if we're honest in our heart, we're prideful, we're self-righteous, or we're lacking compassion. If we are, if you honestly, can we be honest this morning? If you are, we need to repent. We need to get on our knees before God because we can't separate discipleship from reaching those who don't know Jesus yet. We can't be followers of Jesus without being fishers. We can't be followers and not fisher, fishermen and fisherwomen because Jesus, Jesus says this. It was Jesus who says, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So one of the greatest checks about whether we're really following Jesus is whether we're fishers or not. If you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. If we're not fishing, are we really following? One of our biggest challenges as Western believers, and I think you know, even for us as a local church, is to stay outward focused. We all have this tendency to want to settle and to prefer comfort and to you know, you know, kind of go inward. And we have to fight to stay on mission. We have to fight to stay outward focused. You know, I, I believe without consistent effort to befriend and to build relationships with people outside of the church and outside of our comfort zones, we almost automatically lose the ability to relate. We have to fight to stay outward focused. And even more so in this season, because it's, you know, it's slightly more difficult to connect with people. We can't just throw a party as Matthew the tax collector did at our house. We have to be intentional about saying, hey, do you wanna have a walk? Can I catch up? When can we meet? Set up a time, find a time when it's not raining or walk in the rain or you know, whatever it is. But we have to keep doing it. We have to keep going for it. We have to keep reaching out. One thing becomes really clear um, from Jesus's calling of Matthew, the tax collector, to follow him. And that's that his strategy for making disciples was not calling the already religious to follow him. Instead of separating himself from non-believers, Jesus came to be known. I love this. He was known as the friend of sinners. He, was, he called them to be his followers. I love that, you know, Gabby said this before. We're becoming known as a church who steps out. We're becoming known as a church who shares testimonies about stopping for the one and blessing people and, you know, and sharing the love of Jesus. That's what I want us to be known for. I want to be known for that. I hope that that's your desire. Discipleship is not a mentoring program to help encourage Christians to become better Christians. Discipleship is not a mentoring program. It's a process that starts with introducing non-believers to the gospel, to the person of Jesus. It means that, 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 that if, we're, if we're already followers of Jesus, then we have to get off our butts. We have to open up our hearts and our homes to people that don't know him yet. Hello? Can, can I be real? Can I preach at you a little bit this morning? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have to get off your bum. You need to open your heart to people that don't know him. You need to, you need to say, hey, I'm going to go pursue people that don't know him. I'm not going to settle into my comfort. If we have an aversion to doing that, then we need to ask God to change our hearts and give us his heart for people. There will come a time, sometime in the next couple of months, two, three, I don't know, maybe four months, that you will be able to have people in your home again. Will you open your home to the unsaved? 
all the friends that you've made over this time. Maybe it's people from your kids' school. Maybe it's work colleagues. Maybe it's people who have reached out to you where you've been able to be a blessing. People that we've met on the street. Will you invite them into your home? Will you invite them into to, to a park to gather with you? Will you open your heart to them? Or as soon as we're able to gather as a church together, will it just become about the church again? Engaging the community, introducing him to Jesus is the start of the circle and we have to go after that. Whether it's friends and family that don't know him yet, it's strangers that we meet along the way, it's work colleagues, we have to constantly be going after those who don't know Jesus and showing him who he is. Most writers that I've read when, when I've been studying this, um, they comment on how consistently Western Christianity divorces evangelism from discipleship. There's heaps, I mean, all you have to do is look out there. There's heaps of discipleship programs designed to train and mature believers. And somewhere at the back in the appendix, they might have this thing of like, if you happen to accidentally slip into a discipleship group and you don't know Jesus yet, here's a prayer to pray. There's a lot of like believer maturing and very little reaching out and actually seeing people encounter Jesus. When Jesus told his disciples to go make disciples of all nations, None of them thought he meant go gather up all those who already believed and start more discipleship groups. There's no way we can make disciples of the nations without consistently engaging non-believers. Wow. Discipleship is a call to follow Jesus and it's a call to fish for people. The starting point of discipleship is evangelism. And the whole point of evangelism is to make disciples. Someone said this, I'll finish this point with this. When we separate the Siamese twins of evangelism and discipleship, we kill both. Think about that. Why have you not in the past seen fruit from discipleship? Possibly, can I suggest, because you've separated it from evangelism. Why have you not seen lasting fruit from evangelism? Because you've separated it from discipleship. If we separate them, we kill both. My final point this, this morning around bringing us back to what are we called to, not based on what's happening around us, but what are we called to as believers, to be disciples who make disciples, is that discipleship is a call to fellowship with others. It's a call to follow, it's a call to fish, and it's a call to fellowship. When Jesus called Matthew, the, the tax collector, to follow him, he had to follow along with Peter and John. He wasn't given the option to follow Jesus alone. I love that Jesus calls Simon the Zealot, who is literally fighting for the rebels to overthrow the Roman rule, alongside Matthew the tax collector, who is literally working for the Romans, fleecing the Jews by, being like, by, by uh, unfairly taking taxes. And he calls them to, to disciple and walk alongside each other. Literally, they would have hated each other in the natural the problem with our, with our Western culture, and therefore I think our idea of discipleship, um, it, it, our idea of discipleship in much of the West is that it's obsessed with the individual. We're obsessed with our individual rights. We're obsessed with the individual. But discipleship has always been a group project. It's always about community. It's always about together. It's always about, we, you know, we as we pursue Jesus together, we bring others with us. Christianity kind of flies in the face of our Western culture. Because it's not about the individual. It's about the group. It's about others. It's about laying down my rights for the sake of others to come to know Jesus. It's, it's total opposite to everything in our culture. 
there's always that, this, this, this point that we learn to follow Jesus from those who have gone before and we invest in those who are coming after. There's no, uh, there's no one in the New Testament that I can find who followed Jesus independent of others. There's no one who followed Jesus independent of other followers. The faith was lived in community with other followers of Jesus. They spurred one another on. The, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. There's this shared life. I, I love uh, one definition of discipleship I've read recently is life on life. I love that. It's like life together. It's doing life together. And even in lockdown time, we can still do life together. We can still pick up the phone. We can still go on walks. We can still encourage one another and spur one another on. There's, a bit, there's been a lot of words used to describe this community of believers, you know, brotherhood, um, spiritual family, covenant community. I think the most common one in the Bible is, is simply this, fellowship. The simplest definition of fellowship is a Christ-centered relationship. A Christ-centered relationship. That's what fellowship is. We can only stay united in fellowship when we keep our relationships centered on Jesus. Even, you know, even as we talked about last week, you know, with you know, our thing last week, should Christians be vaccinated or not vaccinated? If our starting point and focus isn't Jesus, we'll treat others with judgment and contempt. Ultimately, we'll divide because we don't have the same opinion on everything. But when Jesus is at the, at the center, when he's the starting point, he's the focus, then we can love and accept people with different views than us on disputable matters or things of opinion because we have a bigger purpose. We have a bigger reason for living. It's not just friendship. It's friendship born out of shared mission. Centered around Jesus. Christ-centered relationships. Real fellowship only happens in a community of believers. That's why Jesus adds people to local church community and that's why the local church is so important. And fellowship will only, can I say this, Fellowship will only be as important or as real as you want it to be. We can't force fellowship on you. You can't force being open. You can't force relationship. You'll only, it'll only be as real as you actually want it to be. As much as you'll open yourself up to others, as much as you'll find ways in this season, fellowship will only be as real as you're willing to find ways to fellowship with others. And I'm not saying go and break the restrictions that they're asking us to follow. I'm saying there's ways within it to fellowship with others. Don't use it as an excuse. There's some discipleship relationships that might be one-on-one, -on -one, you know, and, and that's okay, but it's always in the bigger context of local church and fellowship with other believers. Discipleship is a call to follow, to fish, and to fellowship. And Gabby did an amazing job a couple weeks ago on um, you know, preaching around this value of fellowship. If you're, if you're in the comments, throw her a hands up or a high five. Um, you know, you can, you can, I think you can, if you type Gabby Conlon, you can even link her in your comment. So, you know, just encourage her. Um, but you know, in this season, we have to find new ways to fellowship for a while. And that's okay. I think it's fine. The, the idea that fellowship has to be, can I say this? The idea that fellowship has to be 10 people in a house or every person in a building together in the same place at the same time is often more a reflection of our religious tradition. Or can I be, can I be a little bit naughty and say of our political statement? rather than a real desire to fellowship. If we really have a heart to fellowship, the, the, the fellowship is still the value, then we'll find a way. We'll find a way to do it, even if it's not our most comfortable way. 
if we really desire fellowship, we'll use what, what, what's available. Um, you know, like I said, we'll walk with someone, we'll Zoom with someone, we'll participate in a live stream and not just sort of watch, but take part in it. We'll reach out, we'll call, we'll send messages, we'll FaceTime, we'll send a gift. You know, there's so many ways to do this. I love, can I share an, an example? I know I'm going a little bit long today, but I want to share an example and we're going to land. I love that um, some of you guys know Nick and Catherine. Nick and Catherine, I want to honor you this morning publicly in our live stream or, you know, if people are listening back on the podcast. I love Nick, Nick and Catherine because they joined the church la last year through our live streams. We're, we, there was one week where we were able to have a lunch with them in person. I think it was in June last year where Elodie and I and Olaf and Leanna and Nick and Catherine were able to have a lunch. One week. We met them in person one time. Um, but they didn't let lockdown stop them. They felt like God had added them. They'd been watching the live stream. They wanted to link in. They wanted to fellowship. So they got to know people through prayer Zoom meetings and going to connect group on Zoom. And you know, every time, I love this, every time they were in a different breakout room in a prayer meeting, they'd be like, hi, um, we're Nick and Catherine. We're new here. Who are all of you people? I mean, imagine just getting like, you know, some of you guys who know everyone in the church don't come to Zoom prayer because you're scared about getting in a, put in a room where you might not know one person. They didn't know anyone. They're like, here's a room of eight people. And they're like, hey, we're Nick and Catherine. And then the next room, hey, we're Nick and Catherine. Hey, who are you guys? And they got to know people and they began to fellowship and they began to have their heart knit together. They found the way because fellowship was a value. What I also love is that um, <laughs> their commitment when they finally uh, saw, <laughs> sorry, I love this. Their, not their commitment, their comment when they finally saw people in person was, wow, the church is really tall. <laughs> because on Zoom, you don't know how tall everyone is. They, they, they actually thought Olaf and Deej were the same height. Now, if you know Olaf and Deej, we should have had a, a photo up, but they're, um, they're not the same height. And uh, <laughs> you know, they saw them side by side and they went, oh my goodness, Olaf's so huge and Deej is amazing. Awesome. You're Deej, we love you. Um, <laughs> and over the next, <laughs> you know, uh, I love that. I love that they, they found a way. Over the next few months, we might have to be more creative and that's okay. We're called to be a creative people. We might have to be, you know, we might, um, we might be able to have more people in a cafe or in a park than in a home. So maybe we need to, to gather in cafes and parks um, before we can gather in homes. Um, you know, we, pubs might be open before homes are open. Make a booking at the pub and take your group to the pub. Um, you know, there's just, we're going to have to be creative. We're going to have to think outside the box and that's okay. We, can't, you know, we can get upset about what we can or can't do, or we can find ways to do what God's called us to be because fellowship has to be a value for us. So I choose to find new ways for timeless truth because our call hasn't changed. And I want to challenge you. Can we find new ways for timeless truth? We don't let go of the truth of God, but we can find new ways in this season because our call hasn't changed. Discipleship is a call to follow Jesus. It's a call to fish for people and it's a call to fellowship with others. It's the call of every believer. We can't just talk about engaging the community, about establishing it, you know, biblical foundations, equipping believers, empowering disciples. We have to be a people who do it. It has to shift from a discussion to action. Can we pray together? Jesus, we honor you. I love you. Lord, we want to be a people who follow you well, who fish for others and who fellowship together. We wanna to be a people who do this, who are disciples, who make disciples. And so this morning, if there's anything 
that we need to surrender or we need to lay down to follow you well. We choose to do that today. Don't leave it. Sir, ma'am, person watching, young person, older person, don't leave it until next week or until we're back in person. Do it today. Repent today. Lord, we repent. Lord, where we've made it about anything else. Lord, we surrender again to you. We don't want to be prideful or self-righteous. We, we, we don't want to be Pharisees who lack compassion. We want to be those who go after the one. And thank you that you're stirring that in us, Lord. But we ask for more. Lord, more of your heart, Lord. More of your, give us your heart for people that don't know you. Give us your heart for our neighbors and our family and our friends and the people that we're going to see even this afternoon if we're out walking or at the shops. Help us to fish into fellowship well. Lord, I ask that you give us creative ideas. Creative ideas for unchanging truth. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. If you're watching or listening today and you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to follow him, to make him the Lord of your life, to turn to him right now. He says this, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. But there's a, there's a repenting that goes with that. It's not just Jesus come and, and add on to all the things that I'm doing. It's I'm sorry for trying to do it my own way. I thank you that you paid the price for me. I want you to be the Lord of everything in my life. I submit myself to you. Come and fill me with your peace. And, 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 and as you do that, and you can do that right now, he will fill you with his peace and his wholeness. He gives us a new identity. He sets us free. There's a restoration that comes. And so I want to implore you today, don't wait any longer. Turn to Jesus or turn back to Jesus. Maybe you've walked away in this season of COVID time, in this time where, you know, where you haven't been able to come into a church building. I want to call you back to Jesus today, not to your cause or to, your, you know, you know, to other things, but to him, to the person and presence of Jesus. If you made that decision today, please let us know. Reach out, DM us, email us, however you can get in contact with us. Or if you know somebody in the church, let them know. Um, we'd love to send you a Bible. We'd love to celebrate with you. Um, and yeah, we thank you for responding to Jesus. It's the most powerful thing you can ever do. I'm going to hand back to uh, Gabby and Mark this morning. Thank you guys for tuning in. You know what? Whatever is going on around us, our call is unchanging to be disciples who make disciples. Let's keep going for it, church. Be blessed. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.